everybody and welcome to Reviews from Hell. I am your host, AJ, and I am joined by the co-host, Steve Wandling, today. Who, it's been a while since we've done an episode of Reviews it's from Hell. Our schedules have not met in a very long time for us to do this. But now, yeah, I think this is the perfect movie to do it with. Oh, yeah. Scream, Scream 6. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. I went to go see it in 3D 40X opening oh, you did. night. How was yeah. that? Was that a blast? It was. It was. But you know what? For some reason, I'm still kind of like sook or socked when a lot of parents take their like seven year olds or thirteen year olds and eight year olds to go see a movie like this. Yeah. And I like. And because it was so taboo for me growing up around that age to even watch horror stuff like this. So maybe that's still like the old like stability or like the culture I grew up in in the South, you know? So I'm kind of like... It's all relative. Like, I I watched... I can't sit here and say that like I didn't like seek out horror movies as a kid and that I wasn't totally into it by the time I was a kid, right. you know? But uh, at the same time, a lot of it was taboo. A lot of it was me sneaking around. I grew up, like you said, a lot of it's probably cultural. Mm -hmm. I grew up in this coal field, southern West Virginia, and it's very much the Bible Belt. And my parents were pretty liberal around here, but by anywhere else. I'm not that different from where you grew up because I grew up in North Carolina for like the past 20 years or so, even though. When my dad was in the Navy, we were mainly in the North, like Florida and Baltimore and stuff like that. But I was still so young. I was moving around all the time. So it's not like I knew what I could watch from like a year now. You know what I'm saying? So I never kept kept up with movies like that when I was young. So maybe it's just different now where, you know, a lot of these movies are accepted for kids to watch whenever they're, you know, having their guardians. And I also think that um, something like Scream to be, I just honestly, I don't think that it is as bad as honestly what you can see on your phone. You know, I think that right, yeah. in terms of, and I, so my thoughts on that are, I knew that when I was a kid, I watched all that stuff and I was obsessed with it. And eventually, you know, uh, my mom and dad, like eventually kind of, had to relent because they were either going to have to keep grounding me for watching stuff or they were just kind of have to be there and be able to chaperone it along. And then that kind of bloomed into things like for my birthday, I would get like um, dog the afternoon or something, a movie that my dad had liked or that my, he and my mom had liked or something like that. It was R rated. We were probably too young to even understand what dog day afternoon was. Yeah, That was my first, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, cinema, you know, uh, I don't know who said put the idea in my head about cinema. You know, opening your world and 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 also being able to just travel and things like that when you may not be able to actually travel. You know, cinema is a, a passport and a cultural passport, and that was definitely the first time as like a, I was like nine or ten, and the world was a lot different then. But that was the first time Chris Randon, uh, uh, like a well, he was he they they was trying to pay for money for his sex change operation. He was trying yeah. to pay. Yeah, a guy that was married was trying to pay for his gay lover's sex operation. And you're watching the movie, and you don't know that going into it if you just watch it blind. And it's such a right. good movie, too. 
And that's all. And like, watching like, it as a kid or even a teenager, then you're like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's you know, you know, it's it's uh, so much about that movie pops in my head immediately. Now I want to watch it, but um, yeah, you know that that was the first movie my mom and dad ever saw on a date. Yeah, that was the first. Or like another messed up movie you can kind of watch as a kid is Taxi Driver. Now when that is that was big for me too. Watch. That was yeah. a little bit later. That was when I was like twelve. I had an older yeah. brother who's five years older than me, and he went to college around the time I was twelve. And that's also the time DVDs became a thing, like period. And so, like two thousand one, two thousand, like ninety eight, like ninety nine, actually. And oh, really? Okay, we yeah. Early. See, we, we were linked to that DVD train. Yeah, oh, we had a DVD player, and uh, I'm okay. So I remember my brother had a stack of stuff that was like Apocalypse Now, Taxi Driver. Oh gosh, like stuff like that. Um, I, I'm blanking out now, but there was other stuff too. But I just, oh, the Blair Witch Project, uh, just this stack of. Oh DVDs. man, that would have been a blast on VHS. That's too. a big movie for me. I saw that. That's my number one theatrical experience. Whenever somebody asked that question, it I, opening day, I was 14, maybe even 13. Still, my friend's birthday party. We all went to the movie theater. We stood in line. There was a line out the building the day the Blair Witch Project yeah, opened. Yeah, because that's before online ticketing orders and stuff Yo, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, totally. No, that wasn't even a thing. Yeah, it was 1999. And we we went in there. It was packed. And everybody was freaking out and screaming at the theater. Like, it was like a, an experience we all had to Because that rejuvenated exactly. the found footage experience at the time, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even like a thing that like I knew about or was aware of found footage before the Blair Witch Project. Like speaking that. of which, found footage movies. Then you hear Faces of Death is getting a remake. I did. You know, we uh, that was like a that was like a taboo thing. I remember more like my brother and some of his yeah, man, friends. I still haven't watched it. I, I have seen it. little bits of it, and it's not real. It's actually not real. If I know it's not real, but, but still... I told one of my best friends at the time, I'm like, dude, this is fucking bad karma if we watch yeah. this, man. I don't even want to, man. It but. had that vibe of it. It had that, like, almost like, because, I, you know, the whole video nasty is crazy and everything. Right, I, I love yeah. all this stuff. But this was a little different. This had this, like, urban legend feel around it, and it just reminds me again of being a little kid and my older brother and being in that neighborhood and all all his friends going on and on about like oh you like horror movies you haven't seen anything until you see faces of death man they really kill you and you're like what and you're like eight years old like you know because the only thing that made me that i found solace in like a nightmare on elm street just destroyed me there were a couple movies oh, that, like, but you I, know watching that as a grown-up or like how old we are now. We're not really grown up. I can't believe I watched it in grade school. Anyway. I can't believe I watched it in grade school. Can't believe I watched but, it in grade school. It's listen, so scary. If you watch that now, you kind of notice the kids are more like detectives in that film than the actual detective. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like John Saxon's the detective in there and he's like, they don't, they don't, they oh, yeah. hit their heads up their ass the whole time. <laughs> yeah. They can't accept the fact that Freddy's back. You know, it's coming back. Uh, they won't listen to their crazy teenage daughter and her, you know, crazy friends, including Johnny Depp. They're all just crazy 80s kids. And so the parents are just terrified. But they're all right. fucked up. Like the mom's at home drinking booze all day and popping pills. And the dad's not even there. He's just at the office, it seems like. Like, it seems like he doesn't even come home. And then remember, the thing I thought was most fucked up about the parents in the Nightmare on Elm Street is when John said, and then we'll get off this, but when John Saxon uses nancy as bait to get the friend to get tina's boyfriend that's on the run for her murder 
And she's like, Dad, did you use me as bait? And he's like, Oh, you shouldn't even been here. That's <laughs> like it's all it's like say he, didn't, he totally did. That's how they arrest that guy, is they get him talking to Nancy. Yeah, it's like, oh man, that's pretty rough as a dad, you know. And like what they jumped out and like some buses are around the corner yeah, in that yeah. scene, right? Like, yeah, they totally followed like, what they followed Nancy. Yeah, they tailed Nancy and just kind of held back until they you know, Dude, they, they are lucky that changed the game because some of that screenplay was really bad like was especially it? with the uh, with the adult monologue it is so oh. terrible oh I, I bet you know there's all kinds of stuff like that where it's like the dialogue is got to bring somebody in to do the dialogue all the time but like and they didn't have the kids on the teenage actors in that movie it would be a piece of shit <laughs> Well, hey, you know, it's one of those things where, like, everything... Because New Line Cinema is, like, uh, the house that Freddie built. When I see that logo anytime, that's what I think of. And it's, like, they... Just, like, building something out of nothing. And there's, like, gotta be, like, 50 alternate timelines where, like, one wrong thing happened here, and you don't get that movie made. You know, I think... If you get any right, movie yeah. made, it's a fucking miracle. And, just and like, I love the cameo of Lynn Sagan and Matt as well as... A- yeah. The teacher, the study yeah. hall teacher. Yeah. 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 Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Uh, that's, that's like the scariest <laughs> scene for me, uh, in that movie is when he's like, uh, reading the, if I didn't have dreams and like the, that leads to like the, no, the teen, the teen in the oh, body bag dude. and like no you know running in the halls and all that, that movie is when they what? were doing the sleep study test on her. Oh, and that's she has to boil the most, dude. Yeah, yeah. And she has to wake her. That's where she has to wake herself up. Yeah, and because you're like, whoa, blows. You're like, okay, because that teaches you how the world works too. You're like, oh wow, it burns her in the real world too if she gets burned in the dream. <laughs> oh, I used to have so much fun, and then I, I, uh, I, I, I have to confess, I spent a good part of my childhood probably watching that whole series. I watched all those movies probably a million times. Even some of my. You know, the whole series. Um, Mick, Mick Strong is a good friend of the show. I interviewed yeah. him a couple times, and of course, he was the production designer of three, four, and I think he got fired like maybe a quarter into five. Well, he did so much in that franchise. He and his sister. Yeah, he both, really yeah. helped rejuvenate it after two bombed so badly. I got to talk to him uh, once, and then whoever I was working for or something. For whatever reason, I'm sure it was my fault, but it didn't get published at the time. And I always thought it'd be cool to talk to him again because it was just a great oh, dude, talk. If you if you bring up my name, he would totally be cool to talk to you again. Oh yeah, he's that's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. But because, uh, yeah, uh, what? Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Because uh, the second time I interviewed him up here on Infamous Interviews, we talked about his uh, job on Boogie Nights. Oh, cool. I didn't know. See, I did not Where know he, he worked on Boogie Nights. Yeah, he did the prosthetic penis on a Marky Mark at the time. No shit. That is fucking awesome. That is so cool. See, that's that's how I remember talking to him went, right? Because it was it was just like uh I don't think it was on it was either on Zoom, it doesn't matter, but it was I actually got to speak with the man and listen to him tell stories. And he is, like, he's lucky. a really good storyteller as well. Oh, my, like what I just did where I went, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. That was like the whole thing. If you could find my audio, which I think (laughs) I may still have the audio of it. 
So what I should do is just fucking publish it on Creepy Lovely. I have a blog site. There's nothing saying I can't. But uh, yeah, that's the audio is every, him telling these amazing stories. And then like me every so often going, holy shit, that's fucking cool. <laughs> you, know? you know, like I would love him to co-host a small capsule event with Kevin Smith and talk I'm... about his production design career. Like oh, that would yeah, be fucking be amazing. Get him Those on two having like a conversation. Him and Mick Garris. Has he ever been on Mick Garris? I'm sure he has been on Mick Garris. Oh, man, that would be great, too. Surely he's been on there. I'm going to have to look now. I'll have to look later. Totally right, forgot so what back, movie you were talking about. What movie were you talking back about? Back to Scream 6. Oh, yeah. Scream 6. Scream 6. Sorry, guys. Until- we, we, we might as well change this uh, podcast name to ADHD Review Podcast. That's okay. It's like it was the it can be the Mixtron and Scream 6 Appreciation Pod. It's totally fine. Uh, no, Scream 6. Like, why the hell am I being brought up? I know. It's like, what are you doing? That's funny. You know, whatever. It's all good. Good things. Um, do you what did you want to lead off saying some things about Scream 6? Yeah, so I went to go see this in 40X 3D, like I brought up before. Yeah. And you know what? It did not have that many effects in 3D in 40X. Sure. And I was kind of surprised about that because you remember when we went to go see a quiet place too in forty I do. And like whenever the aliens got killed, we got sprayed with water. Like yeah, I wasn't quite prepared for that. I wasn't yeah. quite prepared for all that it, madness. Like I acted like, as a like a gut kind of reaction to us. Like right, yeah, you're, so you're we just kind of feel their gut spraying. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like when I went to go see Scream Six, I don't know. If it was because I ended up sitting too close or what, but I just did not get a lot of those effects or anything sure. we got from A Quiet Place too. even though there is wind and the chairs were still throwing me around as much, if not more, than when my dad and I went to go see Black Widow in 3D 40X as well. Yeah. No, it's that's the only time I got to see 40X. I we when we saw Scream Six, um, I did I somehow, man, every time I would get on uh social media and see Scream Six, I would scroll real fast and I was like right, right. I told my girlfriend um lives uh in Charlotte and she was about three hundred miles away and before she was coming, she wasn't coming into Wednesday, the movie opened the Friday before. And so I, I I did go see 65, uh, but I was like, okay, I got to scream six spoilers. I got to put blinders onto the world. And I thought I wasn't going to make it, but I did. I made it all the way to Wednesday without anything getting spoiled to me. And that's I somebody, man. I was worried because I saw somebody post some comment that said something like, holy shit, three fourths of scream six takes place in somebody's head. And I scrolled up real quick, but I was like, oh shit, I hope it's, I was like, I hope I didn't just ruin some wild experience. And so yeah, I was kind of waiting for something. Uh, huh? What did you think of Mike Sonoda's new single for Scream 6? I love the singles. Um, I heard it in the movie, and I've heard it by itself. And the Demi song, too. Like, I just like the fact that there is a – that that's still a thing. Because that still that just harkens back to you know every scream movie. Freddy versus uh, Jason when they have a heavy rock and fluent soundtrack yeah. to it as well. Yeah, all those movies back then, um, when I was a kid in junior high and stuff, like Scream and Scream 2, those soundtracks, everybody had those 
there's probably a third one too. Um, everybody had those soundtracks. They were great. And I know that even Scream 4, they tried to do something too with people. Uh, I remember they've got the sounds in there and some of that stuff doesn't work as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, you've always got, and of course, Nick Cave, Red Right Hand. So you've got that, you got do have like a rich tradition of music in there. And so it's cool. Uh, it's special to get something from like Shinoda, I know, for like, you know, his fans, because you don't get something. Of what happened much, so. and everything, yeah. Yeah, I do, and I just like the idea of a Scream album to go with the movie because it just feels right. Uh, it takes me back. But okay, so opening scene wise, I, I assume we're going to spoil. Are we going spoiler? Because I can't. I mean, I mean we... it's been out a couple weeks, or maybe a week or so okay. now, maybe ten days or so. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. So uh, from here on in, uh, if, you, know, if you haven't seen back. it yet, if you're rating from Paramount Plus or PVOD, whatever, just go ahead and exit out right now. Yeah. Opening scene, the Samara, as soon as I seen Samara weaving, you know, it, this radio silence, she was starved, ready or not. Uh, I think the movie that got them the screen deal in the first place. Oh, yeah. As soon as I saw her, I was just kind of like, oh, this is this is fun. She's going to be the opening kill girl. And, you know, obviously the surprise is she gets killed and then the guy pulls off his mask instead of it cutting Flash to the title Gordon, part. dude, how about that? Huh? Flash Gordon, from, Flash Gordon from the new Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bully kid in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony uh, Marivioli, uh, or however you pronounce it. What's his name? It's like Tony something. He's also an M. Night Shyamalan yeah. Apple TV Plus series servant. Cool. Yeah, I need to watch that still. Yeah, no, he... Yeah, uh, and, and it's great. Yeah, I do. I'm going... I'm definitely going to watch Servant. Um, But, you know... I, right before, it usually would he would say the line, kill, and then it'd cut to the title. Well, it doesn't cut to the title, obviously. It stays, and he takes off his mask, and the killer's just revealed to the audience, which is, you know, a whole new territory for Scream to do. And uh, right before he did that, my mind said, they're going to turn... They're, they're going to do that. I, like, called it as it was happening. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. Holy shit. And I thought that was really cool, really fun. Uh, you know, subversive in a way that they've never done before. And then you immediately uh, kill him off and reveal two more killers or, or reveal that there's another killer that, you know, that he was part of the first kill. It's already getting convoluted. So then that kind of explains the movie. I think in a nutshell for me is uh, Scream 6 is a blast. I thought when the, All champion- the way through, it never lets up. Even for like the two hour runtime, it never feels slow. It never feels like there's a step back or anything. Yeah, I like the set pieces a whole lot. Like when when you're going, um, the, you know, the convenience store uh, where you know they're. Uh, I think they released that in a trailer part of part of that, so people know what I'm referring to. But it's also Ghostface with a shotgun is going to um, cut my own head off there. Sorry, but Ghostface with a shotgun. So that whole... I mean, that's what Ghostface does sometimes, yeah. And you've got the (laughs) Judgment Night uh, kind of esque. Um, It reminded me of Judgment Night, the 90s film with Jeremy Piven and Emilio Estevez and Cuba Jr. and Steve Dorff, Dennis Leary, where... And I was like, Emilio! Yeah, yeah. You have to get the ladders and go go cross horizontally, you know? 
uh, from one building to another. And if you fall, you're dead. Well, they have to do that here. And there's this whole sequence where they all have to get across the ladder. So there's just all kinds of really uh, just wonderful set pieces, I think, throughout the whole film. All throughout, yeah. And then you get Gail comes in. And so let's talk about that for a second, because I am... I've sat with it and I'll keep sitting with it, but I have to admit when I first saw the stuff, there were some stuff I did not like. Uh, and some of it was the yeah, creative, yeah. creative decisions, how the character of Gail Weathers was handled. I thought it was a total misstep and it really, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I felt like it was a total misunderstanding. Uh, and I thought it was cheap to say that she wrote a book about all this in a way, because I thought that Gail had come like such a long way. Uh, From over doing the decades, stuff like that? Yeah. That it seems, yeah, it seems like Gail 1996 would have done that. But to me, Gail now, after all this, I I couldn't believe. And I looked to, to my girlfriend I was watching her with, and she had the same kind of reaction. And I didn't like the whole punching thing. I thought that it's just so forced. Can we stop trying to remake those exact moments? So right, I and, right, and, yeah. And then I also, the other scene that really didn't work for me much is um, there's a lot of Scream 2 love in this movie, which is great. Scream 2 is great. It deserves love. Um, but, and you know, when they're in the campus and the whole cast is there, I thought, man, that looks like Scream 2. But just some of the rules, like, just like, at this point are nonsense. Like, at the, and you know, at this, I know people love that scene, those scenes, but like, I don't know. This time especially, it felt to me like, I don't need that anymore. I don't know why, but it just seems like it's almost, it almost, I'll tell you what, it did take me out of it. Anytime we really took those big swings back towards screen fans. And I know it's so hard to like walk that kind of, you know, tight rope with these movies. And, but I'm, I, and maybe I'm nitpicking because I did have a really good time, but we did talk and I liked it a lot. My girlfriend didn't really like it. Um, she liked five a lot more than this. She did so she liked the other one that they made, but this one didn't I really think I did too, honestly. I think I like five I, I think, a lot more than this one. I like them both. And like the thing about Scream Five, like I've had the opportunity to sit with it for like a year and see it multiple times and see it on theater and see it at home. Right. I've seen Scream Six one time. Like I was like, I'm gonna write about it. And then this morning I was like, I can't even do that until I see it a second time. Uh, I didn't necessarily right. I didn't love the, about the same thing lately. Like I'm like, should I go see it again too? I don't even. But I, you know, the villain to reveal stuff, I didn't really care for that much. I found that to be some of the weakest in the franchise at the very end. Yeah, I, I thought it was up there with Scream Three in terms of weakness. I don't think anything's gonna be. Because like, why else would you cast him? Right? I mean, he's such a veteran actor. He has to be something. I kept saying he was going to be the killer, and then it got more, yeah, and more I, obvious. I, I felt that coming a mile. You're talking about Jamal Maroney, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I absolutely. Me too. I thought that was absolutely. At first, I thought it was a red herring, right? But then they kind of make him act like some kind of weird savant, like he's almost a Dewey substitute. Uh, and for right, some reason, yeah. his quirkiness just seemed a little bit like there was a little too bit of weirdness, like going on. A little bit, his kookiness didn't match. And I, I think that might have been intentional. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's playing like this crazy psychotic. But I, I just kind of immediately went with him. I, everything else they kept throwing at me. And they do throw a lot of red herrings at you in true scream fashion. Um, 
nothing really stuck with me the whole time. I kind of thought, you know, and he kept not dying. I thought, you know, he. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, I just thought he was probably the killer. And then it's another one, you know. But let's be honest here too. Like I think that the first scream, obviously, the reveal is great. The reveal is awesome. And then I think in Scream 4, you have Jill Roberts, Emma Roberts, and that great uh, – Emma Roberts is Jill and that great turn. She's awesome. Um, but most of the time, I don't think that the killer reveals are that awesome, to be fair. I think in Scream 5, they're yeah. great. I think Amber and Jack Quaid are some of the best. I think that's some of the best third act. Jack Quaid is one of the best male yeah. villains in that franchise. I think both I of think them are up there. Yeah, both of them. Like, I have them up there with Skeet and Matthew Woodward, of course. But but this movie has three villains, and I don't think and they don't them, have the same bite to it at all. None of them rise to uh, any level. They they they're kind of like at the bottom. They're kind of like yeah. at the bottom. They Spider-Man three the ending a lot. They really did. The third act just kept getting that, and that whole <laughs> shrine thing just got. I kind of thought the whole thing was going to be a dream or something at one point because I just dude, kept that trying. That would have been pissed me off the whole. Dude, I, I me too. Me I kept, so I kept thinking about the plausibility though of that layer, and I just like kept seeming more and more ludicrous to me the more it went on. And I know I'm not trying to say the scream needs to be more realistic. I it's fine. I'm just kind of saying that like, uh. Uh, I don't, it just came, became like a thing that was hard for me to deal with, you know, as, yeah, as, yeah, as we, right? yeah. yeah, it just kept not really, I'm trying to think of how it's not that it just like didn't work for me. at you kind of. Yeah, it kept, it just kept kind of, you know, it felt a little Scooby-Doo like, and I know that yeah. there is, a, and there is a Scooby-Doo element to scream. Uh, especially course, with yeah. the Gale Weathers part. So, you know, here, and as I said, like I said, I'm still very moldable on my final feelings about Scream 6. But all in all, like, here's the thing. All that stuff aside, the set pieces are some of the best in the entire franchise history. The the set pieces, the chase scenes, the kill scenes are the nastiest and the bloodiest. And Roger L. Jackson, the, the ghost voice voice throughout the whole franchise is as gnarly as ever, and all that stuff supersedes the other stuff to me. Like all that stuff mocks that, at least on first watch. But the person I was with had a much more eh, reaction than I did. I was right, pretty like happy. I was pretty psychiatrist or the therapist. There, like that was one of the better kill scenes in that film. Yeah, it was. But that whole psychiatrist su subplot seems so tedious and useless doesn't it yeah it's i a, agree i agree but i just thought that, was that whole thing better. out you could yeah. cut that whole thing out and it just seemed weird tonally to me i remember i didn't think there were certain scenes in it right that felt just out of place with the movie that i was watching there were certain scenes just tonally like that one i'd forgot about that i'm glad you brought that up both times that had and I like that actor. I can't think of his name. He was in this movie called The Righteous that's on Arrow. It's amazing. You should, everybody should watch that. The Righteous on Arrow uh, player. That's not that. familiar. What year? What decade did that come out in? It's brand. It's pretty new. It's like last year. In the last okay. year. Okay. okay. The Righteous. It's in black and yeah, white. Yeah, because I think I got a screener invite to it, and for some reason I didn't have enough time to get to it. It, you pro I'm sure you did. It, it, it's it's a new film. It, we just randomly watched it when it came on AeroPlayer, uh, and um, it's and it's I need great. to give that app much more love. I haven't really watched yeah. anything from it. 
Oh, and he was in Ready or Not as well. Like he's the also he's worked with Radio Silence before. He was the father. Oh, he was, was like, he the dad in that? He was the patriarch in that family. Yeah, he was okay, the dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the evil board game family. Yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, you, you had that kind of fun stuff for Radio Silence fans because you have him, you have Samara Weaving. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't want to leave anything necessarily out that I thought was really cool. Um. Oh, the subway too. That's another set piece. Set piece. Oh, the subway was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know the you know let's talk. You know the core four. And that was intense too. That was probably the best part of the whole film, which is that subway sequence. Yeah, I like that. I think my favorite sequence is when they're when they're in the apartment and the neighbor sees uh, the oh, murder. Oh yeah, that that guy. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. when the, and you yeah. know what. He stole the whole show, too. Yeah. Well, it kept going. Like, each set piece would, like, lead to another one because then that leads to the ladder, which leads going, you know, everybody's on the run. You know, uh, Gail's apartment was great, too. That Because when you finally get that Gail call, because Gail's never got a call. Did you know that? Did you realize that? Yeah, yeah. That's the first time Gail's ever got a call in the franchise uh, history. Um, so, so you that knew was something awesome. was going to go down when, and that was awesome. Like the, the whole thing with that whole sequence was just really great, and it was just really beautiful. I thought, and, um, and you didn't, you know, it's funny having the character watching Jason Takes Manhattan because uh, you know that's, that's another franchise that you, as well. Yeah, but this is done. No offense, this is done so much better than that. Oh, uh, I think it, yeah. at the end of the day, Jason Tex Manhattan is a cool poster. That's it. Uh, and um, at the end of the day, that's what most of the Friday the 13th movie come down to for me. Oh, like you're a step. Like, I, I got a hot take here. I just am not a fan of Friday the 13th. Hey, that's fine. I don't give a shit. They're I mean, I love Jason Goes to Hell, not because I'm friends with Adam Marcus, because that's the one I grew up on the most. I'll tell you what's cool as shit. Jason is that, Goes like, to Hell. If you really like Jason Goes to Hell, you're probably not a big Friday the 13th fan. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know too many Friday the 13th fans that like that movie. I like that movie all oh, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I said I'm not a huge Friday the 13th yeah. fan to begin with. Like, I thought the original was. If it Which wasn't for Kevin I like? Bacon. I like the first one. I like the first one all right. It's all right. It's all right. I think they're all kind of all right. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree. They're fun for the campy vibes of not it. Not all but... of them. Not all of them. But like the first few. Like the first four. You know what? If I Which was one was the one with the Timmy Chonger guy? That's five. That's the one with the imposter Jason. I do like that a lot. But yeah, I'll tell you yeah, what. That one, that one, yeah. If I was going to tell somebody to watch a quintessential Friday the 13th film, one before they died, if someone wanted to know, it's obviously got to be four. The final Friday with Corey, Tom Savini did the makeup. You got Corey Feldman with this little kid that makes the masks and you kill, unquote, Jason, you know, kill him. And that was supposed to be the last one. That one's great. That's got everything you need. That is a good one. Yeah. I did enjoy that one too. So I kind of enjoy a few of them, but. Yeah. They're fine, but I always was. I was more of a um, nightmare. I did enjoy the remake a lot more than the original. Oh, did you? The remake's okay. I didn't enjoy it better than the old ones per se, but it's fine. I don't have any problem with it. It was all right. I uh, 
trying to think of anything about that movie. I remember. Yeah, that was like 2009. That's actually the last yeah. time we got a Friday the 13th movie. So, because of I'm course, over- assets, uh, Sean S. Cunningham is a dick, but other than that, that's, uh, you know, you know, again, you if said, you it, on, if you hear this, on, the, uh, huh? Fuck you. <laughs> you're throwing the grenades out there tonight. Just, <laughs> um, no, there's the new, um, Crystal Lake. The uh, Hannibal guy, Brian Fuller. That'll be good. A24, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to be a a Friday the 13th fan for that. But, of course, I think the Friday the 13th fans are excited for that, obviously. So, your Scream rankings, where would Scream 6 land in this? Right now, my Scream rankings, um, this is just tentative Scream ranking, is... Because we still haven't gotten the chance to watch this one at home either. Right. I want to catch it in the theater one more time if I can, too. So I would go one, two, uh, five, four, six, three. Okay. And I love all these movies. I love all these movies. So I may surprise you here a little bit. Go ahead. But I'm going to go Scream 1, of course. Then I'm going to go Scream 5. Right on. Then Scream 4. Yeah. Then Scream 6. 4 is great. Then Scream 2. Then Scream 3. You're breaking up on me, buddy. I didn't get you ranking. So, my ranking is Scream, Scream 5, Scream 4, Okay. Scream six, scream okay. two, and then scream three. You know, I think we both regard. No, you have scream six in the fourth place. I have it in fifth place, which similar, similar though, not far off. We both put three in last place as well. I got love for three. Not, it's man, not as good got, because Aaron Kruger wrote it. That's why it doesn't feel right because he didn't know the right, characters right. in Israel. But you know what's fucking stupid about it is that stupid voice changer that that has everyone's right, yes. on it. And you the only reason I'd want, like the only reason I'd want to scream three again is for the Jay and Silent Bob cameo, which I can easily find on YouTube. I mean, that's the only reason to watch it again. Come on, it's it, it is not as good as the other Scream films. It is no, the, it doesn't even feel like a Scream movie when you watch yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's got a different. What I do like about it is all the Courtney Cox Scooby Doo stuff, where her and Parker Posey are hanging out. I like that stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so much of it is so ridiculous. Like that whole sequence where they go in and they keep getting faxes from Ghostface, and then they light the lighter and the gas blows. Dude, up I forgot about the faxes from Ghostface. Ugh. And then, well, the faxes lead to the guy lighting a lighter and the whole house blows up and kills him. And then like, they roll down this hill a ridiculously like, long time. They roll we, down- know, we know the Scream franchise isn't really logic with how yeah. it thinks. But, but Scream 3 is, like, on a different level. It really is. And then that voice changer thing where it's just got, how does he have all these people's voices in it? It never even tells us. We're just supposed to go, oh, okay. 
He's got that. Yeah, thing. that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's got that thing. It's in, which totally doesn't it isn't a real thing, it, especially at the time. I mean, it's well, I, I can't do that now. I can't just call up you and be twenty of my closest friends. I, you know, I, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Scream Three is really out there. It really is, and it's also weird for the whole subplot about Maureen Prescott going to Hollywood and basically getting raped by a bunch of Hollywood executives when the Weinstein's produced this movie. Pretty weird. I mean, that's Lance really Henderson's- the most accurate thing about Scream 3. That's pretty much it. Lance Henriksen is basically like Harvey Weinstein in that movie. Dude, that is crazy. I forgot he was even in that. Yeah, he's the director of Stab 3 in it. Like the- No, he's not. He's the studio head. He's the producer. I mean, how do I... God, my teen years were... I was super cool with Naruto. <laughs> you can tell. I remember the first time I saw Scream 3 was one of those movies I saw twice, like on opening weekend, because I was just confused at how not cool it was. Like, no, it's okay. It's still okay. It's got some good stuff. Oh, what about, did you forget about Nev Campbell's dead mother? Talking to her in her dreams? Yeah, I did because it's been up so all long. I've only seen it one time, dude. Aaron Kruger wrote the Ring remake that had been a big hit like the year before, and Harvey Weinstein was. I want you to put some of that energy into this Scream movie I got you writing, Scream Three, and he does that by having Maureen Prescott come up all in a nightie with green face, going Sydney, <laughs> uh, and then she's like in a body bag in one part. Well, wasn't it like city. Mother Dearest at that point? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You get like ghost. You just got the whole. You get like long haired ghost woman. So it's pretty wild. It's a wild trip. Yeah, man. And that's still on Paramount Plus. Now I just got to watch it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a bonkers watch. Yeah. <laughs>